Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. Kramer's on the other side of the glass. I do want to apologize to you guys in the start of last segment. I've got a little bit of a, bit of a throat issue right now. I've got... It turned to 40 degrees. So, let's talk about this for a second. It was 80 degrees last week. And then all of a sudden, like, fall came. It was 60 for about five days. And then it went to 30. Like, what is going on? I know, I understand we do this every year and we're like, hey, sweet. We went from summer to winter overnight. We had five days and we decided we're going to winter. So my body was like, I can't do this. I'm not holding on anymore. I just, I can't, I can't compete with what is taking place outside. The weather is getting to me. So I got a cold. It was, uh, it's, it's not been good. It's been, it's been wearing on me. I have what we call the man cold where it doesn't hit quite the same as the female cold. And any, any of our, uh, women that are listening in our audience, no, when you're, when your man gets a cold, it's just a little different. It's a little different. We don't deal with these well, and I'm not currently dealing with mine particularly well. So I've been trying to do like the cough drops. I've got the water ready to go. Like, I'm doing everything I can to hold on for you guys. I'm really battling through it today. This is my flu game, and I'm I'm here for you guys. I know you need the local content, so 10 to noon, you can count on us right here, baby. We are going to be here each and every week, regardless of how we're feeling. So if I take like a long pause, if I'm if I'm sounding like I'm I'm straining, if I'm struggling, that's why. I'm just explaining to you guys. This is not excuses. I'm just explaining to you guys what I'm battling through right now. I'm basically Ed Reed at Miami when people were asking him if he's hurt. Yes, don't ask me if I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm battling. I'm doing my best for you guys. I'm here to put on the best show possible for you on a Saturday morning. All right? I understand. You're doing a great job, though. I, I appreciate that. I, I will take your condensation. Or, we're moving forward. It, my, my head... The mucinex is getting to me. Condensation. Not the word we were looking for there. All right. <clears throat> Frank Clark. Frank Clark is struggling. And he needs a big game. He does. The Texans are a pretty good game for somebody to get right against. They really are. They allow a ton of sacks. Sean Watson holds on to the ball really long. This is a game when Frank Clark can silence his critics. And for as much as we've talked about him here locally, nationally it started to happen this week. This is Shannon Sharp. They got one playmaker on that side of the ball, the defensive side of football, and that's Honey Badger. Mm. If he doesn't make a play, a play doesn't get made. So the Chiefs have another player on their side, the defense side of the ball that's making $100 million, right? I'm not, I'm not like, this is happening. Their defense, they have one guy that is making $100 million. He's got a contract that says... One zero zero, and then three more zeros, and then three more zeros after that. That's what his contract says. That guy's name is Frank Clark, and he hasn't been good enough this year. There's no question about it. He simply hasn't been good enough this year. Well, here's some numbers for the Texans. They allowed an NFL worst 62 sacks last year. Deshaun Watson was sacked 18 times through the game through through the team's first four games this year. Last week. Watson was only hit once, and he was not sacked. It was the second time in his NFL career in which he was not sacked in a game. This is a get-right game. 
everything about this screams, Frank Clark has an opportunity on Sunday to get himself right. He has an opportunity to silence the critics. This is a game when he's going to get double teamed, more than he has been at any point over the course of the regular season because Chris Jones is now no longer on the defensive line with him. It's going to be difficult for him to be able to get it done. But if Frank Clark wants to silence the critics, this is the game to do it. It's a essentially a national spotlight game. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but there's a there's a website called 506 Sports. And what they do is they put together a map of who gets to see what games any given week in the NFL. I'm looking at the map right now. I'm going to tweet this out at BK Sports Talk on Twitter. Because there are technically three options that CBS can show nationally this week, right? When the Chiefs play at noon on CBS, there are three different games that teams could see. Houston at Kansas City, New Orleans at Jacksonville, and Cincinnati at Baltimore. Now, that last one stinks. It's a bad game. Nobody wants to watch that. New Orleans and Jacksonville is a good football game. Like, objectively, that's an interesting game. It's two backup quarterbacks, but it's an interesting game nonetheless. I'm looking at the map right now. 85% of America is going to see Houston at Kansas City. It's amazing. It's basically from all the way over to Nashville, all the way to the West Coast. Everything in between is going to see Houston and Kansas City. The Southeast is going to see New Orleans and Jacksonville. No surprise, given the fact that both of those teams are in that region. And then basically Cincinnati to Baltimore is going to see the Cincinnati at Baltimore game. Long story short, any area other than where those teams are located, New Orleans, Jacksonville, Cincinnati, Baltimore, is going to see the Houston-Kansas City game. This is a national spotlight game. Frank Clark has to silence his critics here. Because if he doesn't, I don't know if it's coming. I just don't know. I was talking with Therese Paler earlier this week on the Therese Paler Show, which you can hear every Monday night at 6 o'clock, right here on 610 Sports Radio. And we were talking about Frank Clark. And I asked him, what do you think is going on? Because I, I don't understand what I'm watching. Frank Clark is a good player, objectively. Like, everybody agrees Frank Clark is good. I was listening over to the off over the offseason to podcasts from people that are really, really well sourced in the NFL. Daniel Jeremiah, Der- Jeremiah, former NFL scout, now does a lot of stuff for NFL Network. He said Frank Clark is, without question, a significant upgrade over D Ford. You heard all over the league. Yeah, Frank Clark is like not on the Cleo Mack level, but that second tier of pass rusher, he's on that in the NFL. The Chiefs were pushing. Frank Clark. Not Khalil Mack, but he's the next best pass rusher in the league right now. It hasn't shown up for the Chiefs yet. It just hasn't. And so I asked Therese Paler earlier this week, what's going on with Frank Clark? And he told me that he thinks it could be injury-related. Not injury. That's not the right word. He could be hurt. He could be playing through something that we don't know about. It's to the point where that's the only explanation that makes sense to me. It's the only explanation. Because otherwise, I don't understand what I'm watching. Frank Clark is good. He's been playing pretty good against the run. But more often than not, he's been invisible. He's just been a guy that hasn't shown up for the Chiefs. And so this weekend against a team in the Texans that allows a ton of pressure on their quarterback. Against a quarterback that holds onto the ball more longer than he really should most of the time. And that's probably the only flaw that you can see in Deshaun Watson as a quarterback. This is the perfect get-right game. He's had plenty of critics locally. 
It's starting to leak internationally. You just heard the quote from Shannon Sharp. The only playmaker that the Chiefs have had on defense so far this year is Tyron Matthew. If Frank Clark wants to prove that to be wrong, this is the perfect game to do it. Speaking of this game, there are a lot of stakes in this game. You can look at it from both perspectives, right? For the Chiefs. Let's say the Chiefs do win this game on Sunday. And I'm going to pick them to win if Tyreek Hill plays. I'm going to. If he doesn't, I'm going to pick the Texans to win. But let's look at it from the Chiefs' perspective first. If the Chiefs win this game, for as much as we've been freaking out all week about the 4-1 and one Kansas City Chiefs, the Chiefs would be 5-1 and one heading into Denver for this really quick week with the Thursday night game against the Broncos. The Broncos are no good. That's a game the Chiefs should win. Now, it'll be difficult. Thursday night, quick turnaround on the road against the defense that's been playing better of late. But that's a game the Chiefs should win. Then you start the meat of your schedule at potentially 6-1. and one. That's about as good as you could have expected for the first seven games of the year. 6-1 and one going into that Green Bay Packers Sunday night game with 10, ga- 10 days off after that Thursday night game. You're feeling really good about where you're at if you're the Chiefs. Really good. Now let's go over to the Houston Texans side. Ian Eagle's going to be on the call on Sunday for CBS. He joined us on Friday on the drive. You can hear the podcast, 610sports.com is the place that you find it. Here's what he said about the Texans if they were to win the game on Sunday. They're a good team. Houston has a lot of ability. I think with watching a quarterback, they're dangerous. This is one of those games, if they come out of the weekend and startle the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, they'll be put in a new classification of teams in the AFC, uh, a cut below New England and Kansas City for that matter but it would open some more eyes around the NFL to what this Texan team could possibly be. If the Texans win this game, it's going to be a conversation about who's the favorite in the AFC, the Patriots, the Chiefs, or the Texans. The the Texans would then jump up into that top tier. I don't think the Ravens are there. I don't think the Colts are there. I know the Browns aren't there. I don't believe that the Bills are there. I think the Bills are on the outside looking in. They're currently on the same tier as the Texans and the Ravens. If the Texans win tomorrow, and let's say that Tyreek Hill plays and the Texans beat the Chiefs with Tyreek Hill, the Texans then become a really interesting team in the AFC playoff race. Their only losses this year are against the Saints on the road when they still had Drew Brees in a game that they probably should have won. If you remember, that was the opening week of the season. The Texans had it had it won. They gave the ball back to the Saints with like a minute left, and the Saints ultimately go down and they win the game. Then their other loss is a six-point loss against the Panthers. Panthers are a much better team than I think people are giving them credit for right now. If the Texans win this game, their upcoming schedule. They got two games coming up against the Colts. They've got the Raiders, Jags, and Ravens. They could really go on a run here. This is a team that is capable of going on a little bit of a run and potentially during that run, The Chiefs also have the Packers, the Vikings, and the Titans. Titans game coming on the road. The Chiefs could go on a little bit of a slide there. It's possible. This game has huge stakes for both sides. The Chiefs can get right. They can get back to being, if they win this weekend, the offense looks the way that it should. The Chiefs could ultimately come out of this week thinking the exact same things that they were before the Colts game. If they lose this game, people in Kansas City are going to be freaking out because you got a quick turnaround against the Broncos. Then you get into this Packers Vikings madness 
And then you have to go on the road against a team that runs the hell out of the ball against the Titans in Nashville. Win it, feel good. Lose it, things are going to be a coming off of the tracks here in Kansas City. The Texans, it's much of the same. If they win this football game, they're going to be put into the tier the same as the Chiefs. If they lose this football game, we're going to look at last week's game against the Falcons as the aberration and what they did against the Panthers and the Saints as more of what they truly are. There are a, there's a lot at stake on Sunday. It's not just the Mahomes versus Watson matchup. It's also battling for seeding and supremacy in the AFC. Coming up here in 15 minutes or so, we're going to talk with Sean Pendergast. He hosts a morning show in Houston. We're going to preview this game with him, and that's coming up at 1130. But coming up next, Mahomes is brilliant. Mahomes is incredible. Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. But his brilliance has blinded us to the other great young quarterbacks in the NFL. I'll explain that coming up. I'm Brandon Kiley. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie Kramer on the other side of the glass. The protein I'll see with the purpose text line 69306. If you get if you guys would like to get involved here on the show. Sean Pendergast of Sports Radio 610 down in Houston is going to join us coming up in 10 minutes. I want to ask him what he thinks about this quarterback quote unquote rivalry between Mahomes and Watson because I think it's fascinating. I do think this is the most likely quarterback rivalry moving forward in the AFC. We've heard a lot in the offseason about Baker Mayfield. We heard early in the season about Lamar Jackson. All of these different things are fine, but they've all kind of come and gone, right? They're up and down. The quarterbacks were flashes in the pan. Maybe they're going to be good, but maybe not. Actually, let's do this. Let's go through some of the young quarterbacks in the league real quick. Tell me who you think is good. I'm just going to ask you, Kramer, how many of these young quarterbacks in the league do you think you would classify as being good? You can classify it however you want, but I'm going to ask you, do you think they're good, yes or no, okay? Let's go with Josh Allen, the Bills' young quarterback. Do you think he's good, yes or no? Don't qualify, just yes or no? Yes. Okay. I think people in our audience would qualify that, but yes or no, we've gone up and down, right? More or less, he's been up and down. Let's go Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, is he good? No. Uh, Lamar Jackson, is he good? Yes. What about Baker? Baker, good? No. Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson, is he good? Of course. Okay, I agree with you on that one. Let's keep going. Carson Wentz, is he good? No. Dak Prescott? Yes. Um, Mitchell Trubisky? No. <laughs> I tend to agree with you on that one. Jameis Winston? No. Uh, other young quarterbacks, Jared Goff? Uh, yeah. That's the correct answer. Yeah. That's the correct answer. The eh, I'm not sure that's the correct answer. And Kyler Murray, that's the last one we'll get to. I haven't seen much of him. Okay. I would say I would say as of today, no, but I do think he's going to be good eventually. Most of those, I could have said, eh, I'm not sure. Like that's the correct answer for about 85% of the guys that I just asked you about. Eh, I don't know. That being said. Deshaun Watson, from day one to today, the answer has been yes. From the day that he stepped onto the field when he had that unbelievable game against the Seahawks, I believe he had five touchdowns in that game, to where we are today, the correct answer every single week has been yes, Deshaun Watson's good. Now, you can qualify how good. I think he's an elite quarterback. I would put him among among my top four right now. I think it's Patrick Mahomes, 
uh, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and I'm throwing Tom Brady in there because at the end of the season, when you've got a playoff game, he's the guy that I would want. Those are my top four quarterbacks in the league today. But regardless of where you have him, Deshaun Watson, from day one to where he is today, you would say, good, yes. The answer to the question, yes. I think we've arrived at a place where Patrick Mahomes is so overwhelmingly great that we fail to see the good in other young quarterbacks in the NFL. Here's Mark Schlereth kind of talking about this issue we've run into. Pat Mahomes is ruining quarterbacking for every young quarterback in the NFL because he becomes the guy you compare to. And um, he's a unicorn. Like, you can't you can't compare Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's just a freak show. Like, um, when when he pooped, he pooped out the rainbow sherbet. I mean, for crying out loud, he's a straight-up unicorn. So here's the comparison I would make, okay? So... If you were trying to compare the success of a fast food burger joint to McDonald's, that fast food burger joint is never going to look successful, right? McDonald's is just so overwhelmingly successful at what they do. I'm not saying good at what they do. Successful at what they do. They're raking in the money, right? You've got McDonald's everywhere. You can be at a pit stop in the middle of Kentucky. You're going to find a McDonald's there. That doesn't make Winstead's less successful. Winstead's, for what it is, is a successful place. But McDonald's just more successful, right? Deshaun Watson is Winstead's in this comparison. Deshaun Watson, I looked this up last night. The rankings among quarterbacks in the Super Bowl era through their first three NFL seasons. I put a minimum of 500 pass attempts on this. Basically, they had to start at least one year in those first three seasons. Come on. We, we got to have a qualification somewhere. He's first in completion percentage among all NFL quarterbacks in the Super Bowl era through their first three NFL seasons. First, number one in completion percentage, even above Patrick Mahomes. He's third in yards per attempt. The only two quarterbacks ahead of him are Kurt Warner and Patrick Mahomes. He's fourth in the percentage of his touchdowns, or excuse me, in the percentage of his passes that become touchdowns. So out of every, basically it's every 20 passes that he throws, One's a touchdown. That's fourth at all time. Mahomes, Kurt Warner, and Dan Marino are the only three that have a better touchdown percentage than Deshaun Watson. He is second in quarterback rating. The only guy that's above him is Patrick Mahomes. And he also adds the rushing upside. He's sixth in NFL Super Bowl era among quarterbacks through the first three NFL seasons and rushing yards per game. The guys that are ahead of him are the guys that you would expect to be ahead of him. Michael Vick, Cam Newton, RG3, Russell Wilson, Randall Cunningham. No matter how you want to look at it, Deshaun Watson through his first three seasons, and we're about a third of the way through the third season here. He hasn't even gotten to the end of the third year. Is a top five quarterback that we've seen. Through three seasons, top five quarterback in the league. First in completion percentage, third in yards per attempt, fourth in touchdown percentage, second in quarterback rating. The only reason that we don't view him as being a quote-unquote elite-level quarterback at this point is because of Patrick Mahomes. If Patrick Mahomes didn't exist, we would be looking at Deshaun Watson the way we look at Patrick Mahomes. Because we did. If you remember that first year when he kind of broke out, that first year that he was a starter, he didn't start the season for the Texans. They were being stupid, and they started some numchuck at quarterback. He he was great from the day that he started. He had that game against Seattle and the Seattle defenders, including Earl Thomas 
and Richard Sherman, who don't praise anybody, came off the field that day and said, that kid's special. That kid's going to be great. And we talked about him in a way that we hadn't talked about young quarterbacks in quite some time. He got hurt. He went to the sideline. We didn't talk about him much anymore. Then the next story became Carson Wentz. After that, it became Jared Goff. After that, it became Patrick Mahomes. And we just kind of churned this cycle, right? The only guy that's really stayed that way is Patrick Mahomes because of how overwhelmingly great he was last year. That doesn't mean Deshaun Watson isn't himself great. Here's Colin Coward on the subject. Now Deshaun Watson's got a great receiver and a good two, Will Fuller, and Kenny Stills, and a running game, and a left side. So now, now let's start comparing Watson and Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, because now it's much more fair. Both have reasonable offensive line. Both have great perimeter weapons. Both have decent running backs. And Bill O'Brien's not a bad coach. I'm not saying that. But um, when you watch him this weekend, I don't think the gap's what you think the gap is. I think Mahomes is better than Watson. I think it's real close. I don't think it's as close as he's making it out to be. I do think it's close, though. Deshaun Watson on his best day is as good as any quarterback in the NFL. Now, one thing that he does is he has more down days than Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes' bad games are better than anybody else in the NFL's bad games. Mahomes' bad games are like 270 yards, a touchdown, and maybe a pick. Like, that's his quote-unquote down days. Watson's down days, we've seen it already this year. It was against Carolina. He had 160 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He ended up in that game having 12 yards rushing and a touchdown. That's his quote-unquote bad game. His bad games are a typical quarterback's bad games. But his splash games are unbelievable. Last week against Atlanta, 426 yards through the air, five touchdowns, no picks. Had a 158.3 quarterback rating. I'm 99% sure that's a quarter, a perfect quarterback rating. He also added 47 yards on the ground. That's incredible. He had, for the day, almost 500 yards of total offense. That's unbelievable. That's the type of quarterback that we're looking at on Sunday. That's the type of guy that can go and have a rivalry with Patrick Mahomes. We've talked about Baker Mayfield. We've talked about Lamar Jackson. We've had our ups and downs with Wentz and Goff. All of these guys have kind of had ups. They've had downs. We've talked about them when they've been up. We've had the discussion of whether or not they're good when they've been down. Watson's the exception to the rule. The way that Mahomes is the exception for everything, Watson is the exception to, is he good? The answer being yes or no, it's always been yes with him. Every other young quarterback in the league outside of Mahomes, at some point we've said no. Watson, it's the opposite. Watson's always been good. From the day that he stepped onto the field to where he is today, this is the most likely quarterback rivalry in the AFC moving forward. It's Watson. It's Mahomes. They're both 24. They're both tremendous. It's going to be an awesome game on Sunday. And I want to keep previewing this. Sean Pendergast hosts mornings in Houston. I want to ask him what his view is of this game, what his view is of Mahomes versus Watson. Sean Pendergast of Sports Radio 610 is going to join us next. I'm Brandon Kiley. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. We've got Kramer on the other side of the glass. Very happy to go out to the leadoff hotline because Sean Pendergast hosts mornings in Houston on Sports Radio 610. Not 610 Sports Radio. Sports Radio 610 down in Houston. He's going to help us uh, preview 
this Texans matchup with the Chiefs. Sean Pendergast, how are you doing this morning, my friend? I'm doing good. What's happening, BK? How are you, man? I'm doing well, my friend. All right, let's look at this matchup because nationally the storyline has been very simple and it started in a big way yesterday they are all saying this is the next Brady and Manning the current matchup between Watson and Mahomes is the next Brady and Manning where do you stand on this as the next quote-unquote rivalry in the AFC it's been a big topic down here too I've I've really felt that way since last season I mean this is a game that I've been looking forward to really since last season because we, you know, the schedule, the NFL schedule is very formulaic. We know who's going to play who for the most part every year, except for a couple of variable games. So this is one game that as you started to look ahead to 2019, you go, man, this is going to be pretty cool. Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson are linked together in so many ways. Obviously two picks apart in the 2017 draft, but they're also pretty close friends. They've worked out together before. They've got common coaches um, I think they have a lot in common from a personality standpoint. They both seem like guys who are sort of wired the same way. And I think the biggest thing, and I know that's been a big topic. I saw on your Twitter feed this week that this yeah. is a big topic too, is who's going to be the foil for Patrick Mahomes, you know, once the Bradys and the Big Bens and the Phillip Rivers all go. Um, you know, who's going to be that guy? I, I don't know who it could be in the AFC at least. In the We're just talking the AFC. I don't know who it could be other than Deshaun Watson. Because the biggest thing that links these guys is that the two of them, the two of them continually find themselves on these, on these tweets each week that the only ones to do this in the first X amount of games are, you know, it's usually like Dan Marino, Kurt Warner, and then Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. Like these guys have been that good right out of the shoot. Mahomes has obviously accomplished more from a team perspective, and he won the MVP last year. Um, but Deshaun Watson, I don't think is, is that far behind. And he's, he's continuing to correct a lot of the things that have plagued him over the last year and a half in terms of just getting rid of the ball quickly, making better decisions. We're talking to Sean Pendergast. He hosts mornings down in Houston on sports radio, 610. We appreciate him joining us here on the leadoff on 610 sports radio. All right. So I gave out a few numbers a minute ago because I think here in Kansas city, Sean, we get into this mindset of Mahomes is the best and nobody else is good. Like we just, we've arrived at a place where we've never been before. And now we've got the guy here in Kansas city. And so we're just blinded and don't believe that anybody else in the NFL has good quarterbacks in the anymore. So I put out these numbers, Deshaun Watson's rankings among quarterbacks in the Super Bowl era through their first three seasons. He's first in completion percentage, third in yards per attempt, fourth in touchdown percentage, second in quarterback rating behind only Mahomes. I mean, the guy's been incredible, and yet I hear nationally a lot of people don't include him in their quote-unquote elite quarterbacks. We had uh, a couple of guys from your station on earlier this week. We had both uh, John McClain and Seth Payne on. Both of them said he's working his way into the elite tier, but he's not there yet. Do you find him there? Because I've got him there already. I've got him among my top four quarterbacks in the NFL. Where do you have him among your kind of hierarchy of NFL quarterbacks? He's top five right now for me. I don't know where I would have had him coming into the season just because of the way last season ended. It was a pretty disappointing end to the season. Um, but he's, he's top five right now for me. As of, you know, currently week six in, in 2019, you know, uh, among, the, among the top five quarterbacks who take a field currently in the, in the NFL. I, you and I went back and forth on this a little bit, I think, during the offseason about young quarterbacks and who you would take. And I, I was pretty emphatic. I would take Watson over anybody, including Mahomes. And the reason why, and I love Patrick Mahomes, don't get me wrong, he's a tremendous player. But I think what gets ignored 
a lot, and maybe it's maybe it's easier to ignore it in the in the bubble that you guys are in up there because you're around the Chiefs all the time. But I think what gets ignored in these comparisons is that Patrick Mahomes is just operating in a much better ecosystem, a much more conducive ecosystem to success than Deshaun Watson is. Um, now it's gotten better. The offensive line is better for the Houston Texans with the Laramie Tunsil trade and some of the draft picks that they made. The weapons are better around Deshaun Watson with a healthy Will Fuller, and the backfield has actually been pretty pretty solid this year. Um, the tight ends have been pretty good. But if you were looking at, let's say, 2018, where Mahomes made this MVP-type ascension and Deshaun sort of ascended to pretty good in the minds of a lot of people, and let's not ignore the head coach. I mean, Andy Reid's one of the greatest play caller, play designers that there is. Bill O'Brien's certainly not there yet in Andy Reid's class. I think, I think if you were to swap these two guys and you put Mahomes in Houston and you put Deshaun in Kansas City, I think we're having this same conversation with the names reversed, where Deshaun is a guy who's MVP caliber and Mahomes is a guy who go, wow, this guy's really talented. Once they get the things fixed around him, he's going to be really, really good. It's interesting. Earlier this week, the host of our afternoon show, Carrington Harrison, put together a hypothetical question of, like, if you were an owner and you said, I can have one of these two options, either option A, I get Andy Reid and Deshaun Watson, or option B, I get Patrick Mahomes and Bill O'Brien, which one would you take? My answer to that question was, give me Andy Reid and Deshaun Watson, because I think there's a bigger gap between Andy Reid and Bill O'Brien than there is between Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. I just think coaching-wise... The gap is bigger than it is between these two quarterbacks. We're talking with Sean Pendergast. He hosts mornings down in Houston on Sports Radio 610. So, Sean, I'm curious because last week the Texans had this huge offensive outburst that was kind of what everybody's been waiting for all season long. Will Fuller was kind of the catalyst behind that one. We still haven't seen that big eruption game from DeAndre Hopkins uh, yet this year. Where do Texans stand, fans stand on this team? Do, do they think the team is good? Like, where are they on what this team is and where they can go? It's really tough. You know, I, I think there's still, I think the jury is still out with a lot of Texan fans on exactly where this team is because they've been so up and down uh, this season. They're three and two. But it's the way they've gotten to three and two. You know, they, they, the first game of the year, they lost to the Saints on Monday night on a last second field goal. And I think a lot of people felt better about the team after that loss than they did after some of the wins they had during the nine-game winning streak last year because of the fact that they you know, took a team that, that a lot of people see as a Super Bowl contender. Um, and then the next week, and they need a two-point conversion stop just to beat Gardner Minshew. They lose to Carolina in week four. Same with Tennessee as a win at the Chargers to a game that's actually Never won So we don't know what to think about this team at this point. That's why this game on Sunday is so big. You know, BK, they've got the Chiefs this weekend, and they've got the Colts in Indianapolis the following week. And one of the questions Seth and I were debating on our show yesterday was, if they're going to go one and one in these next two games, which game would you rather they win? And empirically, you'd, you'd say, well, you would rather they win the division game, right? Sure. Because it means more to tiebreakers and things like that. Seth and I both said, I think I'd rather see them go in and beat Kansas City just because I would feel better about what the ceiling could potentially be for this team. You know, teams lose division road games all the time, and they'll play the Colts again four weeks after that or whatever it is. I'd rather see them go in and beat Kansas City because then I think we'll get a much better feel for how the fan base is buying in 
to this Texan team. To answer your question, I think the jury's still out with a lot of Texan fans on Bill O'Brien. Um, I think everybody's all around trying to watch him. I think they like the, think they like the direction of the roster is normally in the offseason. It's come together on the field and absolutely the, so lurking in the background is the fact that they operate in the same city as the best team in baseball. You know, the bar is very significant in the city of Houston from an overall sports perspective. It's interesting because here in Kansas City, one of the fears is that this isn't the team that we're going to see in January. So I find it interesting that down in Houston, this is kind of the measuring stick game. And I think that's fair. I totally understand that, especially if Tyreek Hill plays in this one. But here in Kansas City, it's kind of a situation where like Sammy Watkins not going to play in it. Eric Fisher, Andrew Wiley, two starters on the offensive line, not going to play in it. Uh, Xavier Williams and Chris Jones, two starters on the defensive line, not going to play. We don't know about a linebacker and Anthony Hitchens. And so here in Kansas City, the view is, well, this isn't the team that we're going to see in January. And so even if the Texans win this game tomorrow, I think a lot of Chiefs fans will view it as, yeah, they beat that team, but the team that they're going to see in January, they still wouldn't be able to. Whereas in Houston, I think the viewpoint, and I think this is totally fair, I understand it, is if you can beat Kansas City in Kansas City, then you could do it again in January if that's ultimately the the team that you have to see. Is that kind of how Houston fans are looking at this? Yeah, I think there's two things that matter with this game with respect to Houston fans, BK. It's venue and it's quarterback. I think those are the two biggest things. I, I get all the stuff going on on the, you know, the injury sheet. The injury sheet right now for this game heavily favors the Texans. It's pretty clean for the Texans right now, and it's pretty dirty for the Kansas City Chiefs right now, that injury sheet. But Patrick Mahomes is obviously going to play at this, in this game. He's going to be a little gimpy, I'm sure, um, but, but he's Patrick Mahomes. And Kansas City is one of the best home field advantages in football, whether the game's kicking off at noon or it's kicking off at 7.30. And I think what people in Kansas City need to understand is that's the biggest thing. Here's, let, me, let me tell you something about Deshaun Watson going into venues like that. This is what made the Charger win such a big win for the Texans. Is Deshaun, Deshaun Watson has started, I think, the number's 28 games. In, in his rookie year, he went into New England and Seattle, and he left the field late in the game with leads in both of those games that he had to give in the Texans in very high-scoring games. The defense cost up the lead both times. In Week 16 against the Eagles last year, uh, trying to get a, a bye in the first round of the playoffs, down 13 with five minutes to go, Deshaun Watson, with no weapons out there other than Hopkins with him, leads them back to take a late lead in that game. In Philadelphia, the defense costs up a lead. We talked about week one against the Saints. Same thing. Deshaun Watson goes down and gets a touchdown in 13 seconds in the last minute of the game. The defense costs up the lead. It's the ability to close games like this. And those those teams all had good quarterbacks and were really hard places to play. That's the commonality with this game. This, This is a game where Deshaun Watson, I think, can stand in and trade blows with Patrick Mahomes. I think he can give the Texans a lead late in this game. The defense has got to hold the lead, and the Texans have to close the deal. I've got about a minute left here, Sean. I've always been told, don't ask double-barreled questions. I'm going to do it right here. I'm going to break that rule. My question for you is, one, what's the Texans' running game? Because that is clearly, without question, the biggest weakness that this Chiefs defense has. It's been atrocious against the run. I know you saw that last week on a national stage for Sunday night football. So what's the Texans' running game going to be like? What are you expecting from that? And what is ultimately your prediction for this game, Sean? Yeah, I, I think that well, she 
bracket here. So Carlos Hyde has been very, very good so far. Whatever it is, Charles, and Carlos Hyde well and meshed about the Texans offensive line and with Thompson, who's sort of a complimentary back that Bill O'Brien traded for up to the season. And Duke Johnson's been pretty solid in place. They're actually on the backfield. So the Texans running game has been decent. I think they're going to try to possess the football the way the Colts did, but maybe not stylistically. Um, Deshaun Watson in the short passing game to eat up clock, along with mixing some runs in with Carlos Hyde and with Duke Johnson. So the Texans running game is average. It's good enough against that defense to, to execute a game plan like the Colts did last week. To me, the biggest thing the Colts did was on the defensive side of the ball, pressuring Mahomes and tackling, no yards after the catch. And I do think the Texans defense can execute that. It's only the first part of it, the, the pass rush. I went ahead and I did it, BK. I picked the Texans 34-31 this week. Drank a lot of whiskey in doing so, but I picked the Texans 34-31. <laughs> I totally understand it. I've said all week. My prediction is totally dependent on whether or not Tyreek Hill plays in this game. If he plays, I'm going to pick the Chiefs. If he doesn't play, I'm going to pick the Texans in this one. He is Sean Pendergast. He is one of the best in the business. He hosts mornings down in Houston on Sports Radio 610. You can follow him on Twitter at Sean T. Pendergast. Sean, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. Absolutely. You do the same. That is Sean Pendergast joining us here on the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I apologize for the phone quality there. Nothing we can do about that. Sometimes it happens in uh, in live in live radio. Most of it, I think, was pretty good. All right. He said one thing in that interview that I find fascinating, and I think it's a very similar characteristic that both Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson have in something they've been dealing with in their young careers. We'll get to that coming up on the other side. Plus, I said that I would be picking the Chiefs if Tyreek Hill is playing. I said that I would pick against them if Tyreek Hill doesn't play. It's the first real adversity we've seen from Patrick Mahomes. How's he going to respond? We'll do it all on the other side as we wrap this thing up. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. Kramer is on the other side of the glass. Appreciate you guys tuning in today. Coming up here in just about 10 minutes or so. Out of bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. It's been a minute since they've been on the air. They are back 12 to 3 o'clock right here on 610 Sports Radio. So we are happy to have them here today. We've got just about 10 minutes left, and we've got a lot to get to. The first time that we've seen real adversity for Patrick Mahomes. We'll get into that coming up here in just a minute in my prediction for Sunday. But Sean Pendergast of Sports Radio 610 down in Houston just joined us. If you missed it, check it out on the podcast page, 610sports.com, for the full interview. But he said one thing in particular about Deshaun Watson that I think Deshaun has in common with Patrick Mahomes. Listen to this. I'm going to react to it on the other side. In his rookie year, he went into New England and Seattle, and he left the field late in the game with leads in both of those games that he had given the Texans in very high-scoring games. The defense cost up the lead both times. In Week 16 against the Eagles last year, trying to get a, a bye in the first round of the playoffs, down 13 with five minutes to go. Deshaun Watson, with no weapons out there other than Hopkins with him, leads them back to take a late lead in that game in Philadelphia. The defense costs up a lead. We talked about week one against the Saints. Same thing. Deshaun Watson goes down and gets a touchdown in 13 seconds in the last minute of the game. The defense costs up the lead. 
the ability to close games like this, in those games, those teams all had good quarterbacks and were really hard places to play. That's the commonality with this game. Sound familiar? Sound familiar, Chiefs fans? Because it sounds pretty damn familiar to me. The inability to close out good games with the defense giving up the game late? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that story before. It was against the Rams last year in L.A. when the Chiefs lost 54-51. to It was against New England last year on the road in the regular season when the Chiefs lost 43-40. to It was against the Seahawks last year on the road at Seattle when the Chiefs lost 38-31. to It was against the Chargers right here at home on Thursday night football when the Chiefs defense couldn't get a stop on in the red zone and then on the two-point conversion. Chiefs lose that game 28-29. And then it was in the playoffs last year against the New England Patriots when the Chiefs lose 37-31 in overtime. That's eerily similar to what the only thing is that's been holding back the Kansas City Chiefs since Patrick Mahomes has been the starting quarterback. The Chiefs' defense has let down Patrick Mahomes time and time and time again when they've had the opportunity to win games against these big-time quarterbacks. I asked this earlier in the week. What is the best win of Patrick Mahomes' career thus far? What is the best win? Like, who's the best team that Patrick Mahomes has defeated? And this is not, I want to be very clear. I'm not criticizing Patrick Mahomes because Patrick Mahomes has been unbelievable as a starting quarterback for the Chiefs. But what's the best team that Patrick Mahomes has beaten? Was it last year against the Chargers or the Steelers? Those would probably be the top two. Maybe last year against the Ravens or this year against the Ravens, one of those two. He hasn't won very many games against really good opponents. Again, not criticizing Patrick Mahomes, criticizing the team for not being able to do those. Patrick Mahomes has put the team in position to beat the Seahawks and the Rams and the Patriots and the Chargers twice. He's put them in position to do so. The defense has let them down multiple times in those games. That's the similarity between where Deshaun Watson is and where Patrick Mahomes is. Those guys are ready and able right now to win those games. Their teams, for whatever reason, have not been. The Chiefs were not ready last year to win those big games against the best quarterbacks in the toughest environments. The Texans, it's the same thing. They haven't been able to win those big games against the big-time quarterbacks in the big-time road environments. I didn't realize how common or how similar those two themes were among the two teams. It's amazing, really, when you think about it. It's the same thing. The Chiefs and the the Texans have had the same struggles when it comes to beating good teams on the road in tough environments. All right. The first time we've seen real adversity for Patrick Mahomes. Sam Ellinger wrote this earlier this week. I think it's a great point. The Chiefs lost five games last year, including the playoffs, and none of those defeats could honestly be blamed on him. He threw 18 touchdown passes in those games, and the Chiefs averaged more points in their losses than their wins. The evidence of Mahomes' behavior in the face of adversity, then, is limited. We just don't know how he will respond. This is a great stat from Mellinger. In 23 previous starts prior to last week, Mahomes often scored at least 13 points in 33 different halves in 25 different quarters. And on Sunday, they scored 13 points in the game. The Kansas City Chiefs offense, for the first time since Patrick Mahomes took over, had real struggles. They had a game in which they did not play well. Hopefully, they're getting back Tyreek Hill. If they don't, I'm going to be really interested to see how the team responds. Because this defense is not as good as the one they saw a week ago. It's not. 
The Texans' defense will give up points if they want to. The Chiefs, though, in the last two weeks, have not looked like the same offense. It's the first time we've been able to say that in Patrick Mahomes' career. Now, there are a number of explanations. Sammy's been hurt. Tyreek's been hurt. The, t- the left side of the offensive line's been hurt. There, Patrick Mahomes himself has been hurt. There are plenty of explanations, plenty of excuses that we can give as to why the offense has not looked the way that it did previously. But Mahomes hasn't looked the same. The offense hasn't looked the same. It's the first time that you can honestly say that if they lose this game, the Chiefs fan base will go into a bit of a spiral. Thursday night, quick turnaround afterwards. Then you've got the Packers. Then you've got the Vikings. This is a tough stretch for the Chiefs. It needs to start out with a win. Tomorrow, they need a win. So that's why I do think, ultimately, Tyreek Hill is going to play in this one. He's going to play in this one. And if he does, I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win. Because everything we've seen from Patrick Mahomes, in-game, we've seen we've seen adversity. In-game adversity, we saw it against the Broncos when he had the left-handed pass. In-game adversity, we saw it whenever he scored 31 points against New England in the playoffs when the biggest game of the year had arrived. We've seen it in-game. We've never really seen it going into a game like this. When the deck is stacked against him and he's got to come out big. This is going to be an awesome one. I think it is the start of something special. I think it's a rivalry that is going to begin between Watson and Mahomes. I don't think there should be pushback against that. I think this is the one. It's not Baker. It's not Lamar Jackson. It's not Carson Wentz. It's not Jared Goff. Since day one of Watson starting in the NFL, you've been able to say that he's good. All those guys we've had questions about at some point in their career. This is the only one that's been consistent. Watson Mahomes, first time we've seen it. We're going to see it a hell of a lot more often. I don't know if it's going to be Brady Manning. I don't know if we're ever going to get another Brady Manning. But it's going to be about as good as you can get outside of that. For Kramer, for Sean Pendergast, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's been a lot of fun with you guys this morning. I'm picking the Chiefs if Tyreek plays. I'm picking the Texans if Tyreek Hill doesn't play. That's as much as I can give you in terms of a prediction. 610sports.com is the podcast page. Until next week, this is the leadoff. The leadoff with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio.